you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HailVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast where food and fitness come to hang out. I'm Sasha. I'm Sadie. Um, And when it comes to training plans, there are a buttload of them out there, but we're always on the lookout for the next best method, right? MTK highly (laughs) believes in the method of periodization, but what the hell is that? I mean, like, for real, the buffet of life has so many different (laughs) training plans to offer you that it's absurd. Uh, You could do, you know, the Tabata life. You could be all Mm -hmm. about the hit. You could be about the dance cardio. Like, there's literally limitless options when it comes to training plans. Um, And when we talk about stuff on the podcast, I feel like we come from a place where we have tried fucking everything. (sighs) And uh, let us help you cut out some of the middle ground. (laughs) Because, like, we've tried a lot of bullshit between when we started and where we're at now. And we didn't, like... We didn't, I know we're not jacked today because like I didn't do bicep curls or shoulder presses before I walked out of here into my garage this morning. But um, like our physiques have changed dramatically since we have started training with periodization. So it is something that is really cool. It's kind of dorky. Um, It's like warning, going to get into (laughs) some real nerdy fitness shit today. So uh, let's do it. Periodization training by definition is the purposeful manipulation of training variables to optimize performance for competition prevent overtraining and progress performance so all of that really is just saying hey we're going to change your rep schemes and the weights you're lifting to manipulate how your body reacts to make you strong exactly periodization in a nutshell exactly. <laughs> um, it's adjustments in duration in load or volume and they're planned out over a specific period of time to reach these objectives the period of time can change we'll get into that here in a little bit but um, yeah, let's like break down the nuts and bolts of what this really is. There are three basic phases, macro, meso, and micro cycles. And we won't get super <laughs> deep with this because it's really technical and that would make for a boring episode and that's not what we're here to I do. I mean, yeah, there are entire uh, books written about periodization. <laughs> and so. I don't mean to say like boring. I just mean it's super technical and we just want to go over the basics of what all of these mean. And we could spend days, episodes, and months talking about all of the different cycles yeah. and uh, like the idiosyncrasies of each one, but uh, too long didn't read. You don't want a college lecture about periodization from Sasha and I, trust me, it'll be more information <laughs> than you'll ever need to know about anything. But yes. yeah, TLDR. So a macro cycle, this is like your overall training cycle. Mm-hmm. This is the big picture. 
Um, it's typically going to be a longer period of time, which macro would entail that. I don't right. know if you took economics in college, <laughs> but macro is large scale. Micro is small scale. Um, so this, like, for example, we've got the Olympics, like we've got a lot of weightlifting athletes that have been training the quad. So what is a quad? A quad mm -hmm. is a four year. Well, this year it was a five year cycle between Olympics. Um, so like Maddie Rogers, for example, she talks about quad, the quad, the quad, the quad, the quad, like they, they map it out in four year spans because mm -hmm. I mean, that's their time to shine. You get four years between Olympics. You have to fucking maximize that as much as you can. So yeah. if you aren't planning it out, to the point where it's almost extra, like, are you really doing your job? Right. Um, so you're, you do this if you're getting ready for a competition, if you're, you know, just anything. That macro cycle is going to be your roadmap overall. Long-term picture, yeah. basically. So, like... It's it's weird because people think of training as like a day-to-day -day thing, but it's mm. like, no. We You're, talk about the snowball. The macro cycle right. is your snowball. Yes. Um, and like these cycles are just basically we're breaking down like what each of them means. Like typically most people are going to be on a meso type cycle, mm -hmm. right? These tend to be four to six week cycles within the macro cycle, the long-term picture. So for example... They typically involve three weeks of progressive intensity training followed by a week of deload or lower intensity training. Um, it's well documented that we're big fans <laughs> of the deload yes. um, and you need to be including them in your training. Yeah. Um, we actually got a question on TikTok not too long ago where someone was like, my app's telling me to take a deload. Is this a mistake? Because I feel like I'm going backwards. No, no. you need a deload. Yes. Deloads are necessary. You can't push your muscles at their max effort all the time. I mean, you can, it's not good for them. Yeah. That's how you get injured. Um, that's how you, you tear things. That's how you get rhabdo. That's how you, you just don't want any of those things because they're painful. That, they is, take what a long will, time that is what will cause you to go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Overdoing yourself is what's going to cause you to go backwards faster than anything. Like yeah. an injury is going to derail you quicker than anything you could think of. So avoid that. Yes. <laughs> do deloads for the love of God, please do a deload like once a month. The strongest strength training athletes in the world do deload weeks. You yes. should be doing one too. Um, and in case you don't know, like you should still be doing these movements that you would regularly be doing in your workouts, yeah. but you should be bringing your weights down. So when we talk about percentage training, if you're doing progressive overload percentage training with a one rep max, you're going to be doing probably your deload week's going to be between 30 to 50%, depending on yeah. where you're at. For us, usually, I like to I like to program our deload weeks at about fifty percent. Yeah, and we'll do like ten reps. Yeah. So basically, you're like you're bringing down your weight, and like you might have higher reps, but it's a manageable higher rep scheme. Yeah. Like you're able to do that without tiring yourself out. Like you're able to have the same intensity across all of your reps. Mm -hmm. um, deloads are important because they help you avoid overtraining, as Sadie said. They give your muscles a time to have a break and repair themselves after you've just completed a cycle while you're still going to the gym. So like you're not a deload week. I think a lot of people assume that it means that you're just like sitting around and doing nothing. No, you're still going to the gym. You're just not doing it 
as high as an, an intensity as you would have been for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, you're going to continue to do the same movements you've been training because you don't want to lose any of that muscle memory, but you're just doing it at a lighter capacity so that your muscles get a chance to breathe. Yes. They will thank you for it, I promise. Like, people don't like to hear, hey, you should take a break, or hey, you're pushing yourself too hard because we're all proud people. Like, right. everybody wants to think that they're pushing themselves at their maximum 24-7. No, it's not sustainable to do that. Take a fucking break. Right. <laughs> Uh, so the small, the small scale version of this is the micro cycle. These are going to be the short cycles within a mesocycle. Typically it's like a day. Mm -hmm. Um, so these are your snowflakes in the grand scheme of your training plan. Um, they can vary in intensity on the different training days of the week. You could have a push pull day. You could have an upper body day. You could have a leg day. You could have a, a core day. Like, yeah. That's your microcycle. Every single day is going to be a microcycle. So you kind of see how that stacks up now. You've got your right. tiny blocks of the microcycle. You've got your line that is the mesocycle. And then you've got your big cube that is the macrocycle. Yeah. And there are three common uh, methods of implementing periodization into your training. Uh, linear. This involves changing load and volume over several mesocycles. It's usually every one to four months. So that's that four to eight week period that we were talking about. Each cycle would have a progressive week of increasing intensity, followed by that recovery week or that deload week where it's less intensity, lower volume. Yeah, and then on the other side of that, you're going to have the nonlinear plan, which is your load and volume are going to change more frequently, like daily or weekly. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, while your load is increasing, but the volume is decreasing. So when we talk about one rep max training, this is usually the, the method that they go with that is nonlinear. It's thought to be more appropriate for sports where there are multiple competitions during an event. Yeah. Um, like a triathlon. Um, but you can use it in a couple different ways. And it's kind of weird because you talk about nonlinear periodization and you're going to touch on the next point here. Um, but there's like a gray area between the last two because yeah. they share things. It's definitely a Venn there's diagram. There's overlapping yeah. theme here. Yeah. So the last part of this would be reverse. So this is a form of nonlinear, like we said, the overlap, a form of nonlinear periodization, except that the load is decreased while, you, while the volume increases. So you see a lot of this with endurance running. Or mm -hmm. if you're training for any kind of, of racing, because you're like, you don't really have a load, like, but your time spent training or running is going to increase. So you might come down in your days, like you start with three, but you might go down to two, but you're running for a longer distance on the two days. Yep. Yeah. Multiple studies have found that uh, there's not really any significant difference between benefits of one periodization program over another. All three of them are perfectly good. Honestly, um, it's whatever you or your coach decides is best for you. Mm -hmm. So you might start out doing the linear progression, then you might go to the nonlinear. It, it can move. Um, nothing is ever really set in stone, especially with your fitness. Like, when yeah. you're talking about stuff with your body and your mind, everything has to be fluid because some yeah. days that shit just doesn't want to work the way you want it to. Exactly. Um, so basically, whatever keeps you from getting bored, go with it. Yeah. it's We've talked about that before. Like People ask us a lot, well, what kind of training should I be doing? And this goes back to that same point. Whatever you're going to con do consistently and yeah. over time. Like, yeah. Like something you don't hate, basically. I, I had this conversation with um, one of my really, really good friends the other day. Uh, she recently lost like 80 pounds over the course of quarantine. Mm -hmm. And uh, she came over, or they came over for dinner a couple weeks ago. And I was like, so what was your soulmate workout? What did you find that like you could stick to? 
Um, she's like, oh, I do a lot of like body weight movements, um, treadmill stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, that's perfect. Whatever you're going to do and like look forward to doing. Eventually, yeah. like in the beginning, you may not love it. Yeah. But you learn to to enjoy doing it. Um, there are a lot of tips to build the best the best plan for you. Um, and there, like we said, this goes back to like, there, there's a billion different ways to cut a cake. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> cycling. So a cyclist may be prepping for like an 80 to hundred mile ride in the next three months. So that athlete knows that the course will have multiple sections of hills. They may start with varying their rides throughout the week. Um, we're including some hills. Maybe they're on longer flat stretches to get the endurance. Um, and it's, you know, going to cycle through because you want to implement all of that into your training. Yeah. And you're also going to like, if you're prepping for any race, you're going to want to work some sort of weight training into your program. It doesn't have to be crazy heavy. It just has to be enough to help keep your muscles pliable and to help build that extra flexibility and stuff. Like the benefits of weight training is a whole nother episode for a whole nother day, but um, everybody can benefit from weight training. It doesn't like, it doesn't matter what athlete you are. Yes. Um, Gymnasts can benefit from it. Runners can benefit from it. Swimmers benefit from it. Like it doesn't matter. Um, So as your competition would get closer, if you're a cyclist, the distance is going to increase while the intensity of your workouts is going to decrease. Um, And I feel like that's a pretty common setup for endurance sports. Yes. I mean, we're going to talk about running too. So say you signed up for a 5k, um, you've run farther than this in the past, but you do want to work on your speed. You can do the same kind of training scheme as the cyclist. You can do the hill training, the sprint intervals, and then that 5k run once a week. Um, again, you should be working in weight training. Um, but in this case, the intensity is going to potentially increase as your training continues, but for shorter distances during your runs, because you want to start working on that pace. Right. And that the shorter distances are where you're pacing yourself. The longer distances are your endurance. Um, the important thing with running, in my opinion, is to build gradually over a period of time. So like, you're not going to set yourself up and start training for a 5k if this is your first time running when it's in two weeks. Yeah. You want at least a month to train for that. Um, and that's regardless of your goal. So if you want to get faster, that comes with breaking up your training, um, on your running days. So for example, if you have three days built in, Um, one to two of those are going to be your endurance days where you're strictly getting your mileage in. And then maybe that means you're also like adding in hills and other terrain to practice that because you don't necessarily always know what the path is when you, when you sign up for a run. And then one of the three days is dedicated to distance. Also getting your mileage in the key with running is getting the mileage in. So for example, like Pat is on my team for the Meathead Test Kitchen Challenge. And I had him start out with, because he's never fucking run before, quarter mile. Yeah, like and that's start, perfect. Run a quarter mile all the way through, which isn't a whole lot, but if you've never run before, then walk, you know, three quarters of a mile. Yeah. Then the next week, add another quarter mile. And that just builds on itself until you're running for a full five miles without stopping. Yeah. And then there's me, who's going to be driving the van <laughs> because I've fucking re-aggravated a meniscus tear from high school. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. I'll bring good snacks. Uh, When it comes to strength training, you might perform like an eight or 12 or 16 week program. Those are generally like the length of programs we see. If you are like sometimes four, but that's super short. That is super short. Um, I feel like that's a very goal. Yeah, it's a very intro to like training 
like well, that four week program. And that sometimes like with a strength training, if you're coupling that with something else too, yeah. like, like your running training, your cycles are going to be shorter yeah. just because you need to mix it up because your muscles get used to yeah. what you're doing. And then now on the flip side, if you talk about like an Olympic weightlifter, they're mm-hmm. going to be looking more at like a 12, 16, maybe yeah. even a 20 week program, depending on how far out they are from competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be the mesocycle. That's the one in the middle, like every week where you're going to progressively increase the load lifted for three weeks while decreasing the number of reps. Then that fourth week might be your recovery week that has that lower load, lower volume. Hello, deload. How are you, our old friend? Um, repeat for the next four weeks, and then you retest your one rep max. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to basically anything you do that is built on a four-week ski. The, that's that's the thing about training. Everything is built on a four week block. Yes. Uh, spoiler, like this is this is how I my revelation to figuring out training plans. Like my my light bulb click moment was, oh fuck, this is all a four week cycle. You just repeat it and then you change your percentages as you go. Right. That's all it is. And like, then you're and then you're switching. Like so, the reason that they happen in eight, twelve, sixteen week cycles is because your body does get used to the movements that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So the key to anything that you're doing is to constantly vary your movements. I don't mean every single day, week to week. I'm talking within your cycles. So your four to eight week cycle with that, the deload week in between, well, your eight week cycle, I should say, with your deload week in between the two sessions of your cycle, if that makes sense, um, is going to be followed by completely change, not completely, like you're absolutely doing insane, totally different stuff, but your, the days that you're training certain uh, body parts, (laughs) muscles, um, and then like the way in which it's stacked are going to change on the next cycle. Yeah. So like, for example, um, in our, like in our harder to kill training plan, that's built on four week blocks and it's, I think an eight week or 12 week program. I don't remember. I need to look at that again, (laughs) but anyway, um, the way that I do it is after that for that deload week, I go back in and I'll move the days around. So you'll still have like your chest back split on the same day, but it might be on Thursday for this four mm-hmm. week block instead of on Monday. Right. Monday might be squat day now, but you're doing box squats instead of regular squats and you're doing weighted lunges instead of like your static you know, body yeah. lunges. Like it's just, you keep the same core movements, but you put variations on the movements to continue tweaking and training those movements because high fitness, you right. have to keep your body confused <laughs> to keep it doing yep. things that you want it to do, especially if you want to lose weight and put on muscle. Yeah. That's how you avoid plateaus. Periodization helps you avoid plateaus. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like end of like period. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. Um, so figuring out if your training plan is the right length, that's kind of important. Yeah. The best plan length is the one you're willing to commit to. I'm going to say it again because we like to repeat things that are important. <laughs> the best length of your plan is the one you're willing to commit to and be, what's our favorite word? Consistent, consistent with, with. <laughs> yeah so if you have an eight-week cycle but your gym homie's got a 16-week cycle so what right you're still again you're still running off that same four-week cube block thing yes. that I mentioned a couple minutes ago and if you need a baseline to start from like we can, we're going to break that down mm-hmm. into ex- some examples of the different lengths we're going to expand upon what we were just talking about So we've touched a little bit on the eight-week plan, um, which is two months. We're going to put that in comparison because talking in weeks and talking in months is something you kind of need to do uh, when you talk about fitness because a lot of people talk about months 
And a month feels like a really fucking long time. Mm -hmm. Like your brain just automatically tells you, dude, a month is a long time. Yeah. No, dude, a month is four weeks. Add a couple days. Exactly. It's not that long. Four weeks isn't that long. You can commit to something for four weeks. I guarantee it. You can do a crash diet for 30 days. You can do a cycle for four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can do a very baseline beginner bodybuilding cycle in 30 days. And if you like it, you can start it over again and you just change your percentages. It's great. So your body adapts to training plans pretty quickly at the beginning of your fitness journey. Um, You're going to plateau. It's going to be fucking frustrating and you're going to hate it. And I have bad news. It's going to happen often. Mm -hmm. Um, That's muscle confusion is a very important part of starting your fitness journey because that that neural adaptation that happens when you start is weird. Um, you're like, why is my body picking it up so fast? And then all of a sudden I'm at a plateau. What the fuck? Exactly. Your body's not confused anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So an eight week plan is a great way to help you see how much progress you can really actually make in just two months. Yeah. And basic bodybuilding, powerlifting, um, power building are four to five or excuse me, four to five times a week for about an hour. Um, usually linear or nonlinear with a deload every fourth week. Um, so beginner couch to 5k is going to be three times a week for 20 to 30 minutes a day on the three days that you're doing. It starts with a very low intensity. Like I mentioned, like a quarter mile, you're walking three quarters of a mile. Um, and that ends with you running 5k nonstop by the time that you're done with your training for. And that doesn't. So if you do a couch to 5k plan, there's nothing wrong with them. They're great. They work. Um, you first need to give yourself the time to actually compete the, complete the program. So give yourself more than a month to get ready for a 5K. You need at least two months to do that. If you've never, like if run, you've before. never run before. Yes. Yeah, if you've never run before, you need at least eight weeks to get ready for a 5K. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. I was going to say, your body will fight back. And if you don't fucking stretch, oh, you're not going to be able to complete it. And I'm not being negative. I'm being straight up because you will injure yourself. Yeah. Your hips are going to be tight. Your knees are going to hurt. You'll probably have some swelling. You'd need to fucking stretch. Yeah. Stretching, stretching is important in fitness, but even like in running and endurance exercises, especially your muscles need that shit. They need to be stretched. Uh, the five, the couch to 5k doesn't have a program with strength training in it, but we would recommend two days a week. Usually at least, at least, um, you can do your run and then you can do your accessory work after your run for another 30 minutes and boom, you did it. You did your, your miles and you got your accessory in, in just an hour. Like it's not super hard. People make fitness way harder than it needs to be. You can watch (laughs) an hour of a Netflix show. Put it on in the, put it on while you're working You can't exactly. Put a fucking true crime podcast in your ears. Yeah. You won't even notice how long it's been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maddie Rogers, I love you. You're like one of my favorites. But she was watching Hot Rod the other day while she was training in her garage. I'm like, yes, I feel that. Like, I, I'm that person that when I would go to the gym over my lunch break, I would watch SpongeBob or Food Network while I'm on the treadmill because yeah. it's mindless and I can just focus on like... Because you're not really focusing on what you're watching. It's just there for something yeah, to look at while you're monotonously, you know, doing your shit on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, find something that keeps you company while you're working out. Yeah. If you have a hard time, like, doing your duration of your workout. Yeah. Or find another person. That's even better. <laughs> yes. But if you don't like people, 
Find a good show that you can put on in the background. My background noise shows are like King of the Hill or The Simpsons usually. Um, If you follow me on Twitter, you know that because I quote them ad nauseum. (laughs) Uh, So let's go to the 12-week plan. This is going to be like a lot of people function with the 12-week plan when you get past beginner's fitness. Um, This is going to work well for like intermediate to advanced strength and intermediate running programs. Mm -hmm. Um, Olympic lifting, four to five times a week, generally going to be your nonlinear plan, can last for like one to two hours depending on your skill level. Level, it could be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do two a days. Like it really just depends on if you're going to compete or not. Yeah. Um, if you're competing those lifts, you have to be doing those lifts as often as humanly possible so that you can get them perfect to max out. Yes. And, yes. yes. <laughs> max out and make money and do the thing. Um, but it consists of a deload every fourth week and that one rep max retest at the end of a mesocycle. So you're only going to retest your one rep max like every three to four months, ideally. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know every now and then people at the gym get a wild hair up their ass and decide to test their max deadlift on a fucking random Tuesday afternoon when they were supposed to be doing bench press. <laughs> Don't do that. Resist the urge because you know what that does? That fucks up your expectation for the end of your cycle because you just went in and lifted way more than you thought you were going to, but you still have seven weeks of a cycle left to go. Give yourself that chance to keep adding that weight before you burst your own bubble. Right. And then if you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, I I just, you know, I lifted the same amount I did when I, at seven weeks ago. You're going to be upset with yourself and think that you didn't do anything when really it was a gain. Yeah. Um, For 10K training, so 10K is 6.26 miles, I believe. Um, I don't remember. I think a kilometer is is 2.2 kilometers per mile. So 5K is 3 miles. Yeah. It's 3.1. So 6.26 is where I got that. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Um, Typically, you're going to be running three times a week and you're going to be lifting three days, three times a week on the days that you are not running. Um, you're going to have those two shorter run days and one long run day and your weightlifting training is going to be a hybrid. So it's kind of almost set up to be a full body day in a way on those three days with focus on lower body more so on one of those days. Yeah. Because I mean, think about it. You use your arms, mm-hmm. You use your core for everything. Yep. Yeah. You use your trunk for literally everything you do in your daily life. You're breathing. Oh, you're using your trunk. If you've never thrown your back out, you don't know how much you use your trunk. <laughs> oh, you don't know until yeah. you just like stuck there and it hurts to breathe and you're just like, fuck my life. Why did I slip a disc? Um, so yeah, those days that you're lifting, you're going to be doing like an, a core day where you might have dead bugs and ab rollouts and planks. Mm-hmm. And um, you could have a day where you have more of that cardio resistance thing where you've got the marching glute bridges yeah. or you're doing the IT band stretches and, and all that, that stuff. Typically for my, the training that I've done, it's a, your lifting days are longer um, because you're trying to maximize on the three days that you're lifting because the run day should be strictly for running and mobility work. Yeah. Don't burn yourself out by lifting and running for distance on the same day. Mm-hmm. Unless like, you've first of all, for that. your fucking legs are not, they're going to yeah. fight you. Yeah. They're not going to, you're going to run like shit that day. I guarantee you. And try the good pointer if you're ever wanting to do something like that, put your focused leg day, lower body day away from your long run day. Yeah, you Please. should be you, you should, should be take... putting distance and heavy day on completely opposite sides so of the So like week. if your if your long run day is on a Sunday, I'd do my leg day if you can on a Wednesday or a Friday with a rest day in between. Yeah. 
Yeah, because your legs you're are going to be burned from that running. And, and your, your pace isn't going to be what yeah. you want it to be. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's going to be garbage. You you will have a guaranteed bad time. <laughs> guaranteed bad time. Uh, never train legs right after you do an endurance run. Um, or before. Or before. Yeah. Leg day should always be a couple days away from your distance days when you're doing a training program. Unless you've been doing it for yeah. a really, really, <laughs> really long. Like we say I a almost, lot, there are exceptions to every rule. And there's yeah. an exception to that rule too. But the best day would probably be a Wednesday. Yeah. I can get away with doing it on a Friday, but it's not the greatest idea on earth. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not always the smartest thing to do. So stack your leg day wisely and uh, make sure that you have a good grab bar for your foot next to your toilet. <laughs> make sure it's anchored into the, the studs and not just in the drywall when you sit down after that leg day because you're going to hate yourself. Yes. So we're talking about now the 16-week plan. So this is going to be four months. It works well for intermediate to advanced cycling and advanced running programs. Um, cycling is going to be a creature of its own because it is like, it's a great endurance program, but when it comes to cycling versus running, your miles and cycling are going to be so much exponentially higher than yeah. running. Um, so that is a consideration you have to take into it too. The cycling plan could be one of those exceptions for a 20-week training plan. If, yeah. if you are doing like an ultra, you need five months to get ready for that yeah. for sure. Um, if you're doing those endurance sports, you should be probably rocking the four month cycle. Cause that really helps you avoid burnout and injury. Um, it gives you plenty of rest time in that four month cycle. It gives you plenty of time to, if you did tweak an old injury, it gives you time to bring that back and still mm -hmm. keep working on your program. Yeah. Um, marathon or half marathon training or anything above that. Um, again, you're going to be running three times a week, like period. Um, you're, you're going to have that hybrid lifting program three days a week. You can knock off one of the lifting days. Um, if you're really focused on your pacing or you, you know, you're trying to get your mileage up there. Um, your two shorter run days beginning in three mile per run increments and one long run day, which starts at four. These runs build in length each week or every other week, whatever you're most comfortable with. And typically you're adding a mile to each segment of your run days. So the first couple weeks, your shorter pacing days are three miles and then three miles again the next week, but you're adding on a mile every single week of your long run day. So you start at four, the next week you're running five et cetera, et cetera, until you get up to, my preference is to run to 11 and a half, which might sound weird, but I want to push myself on the actual run day to get my pacing across the line. So to finish strong, I don't want to, I don't want to already have run the 13. Yeah. .1. Yeah. You want to leave yourself that little surprise at the end. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. Look uh, at you. Uh -huh. <laughs> Cycling road race training is going to be about three to five times a week. Uh, two to three riding days with two cross training days. Cross training is going to be really important when it comes to cycling because you use your legs a fuck ton. Mm -hmm. um, but also you need good, you need good posture. So you need your back and shoulders to be on point. Plus, I mean, your shoulders and your back are going to be your shock absorber for the most part. If you hit something with your front tire or any of that. Yep. Again, being a well-rounded, balanced athlete is never a bad thing. You should be doing all of these things regardless. You should be doing your cardio and you should be lifting your weights regardless of what kind of athlete you are. Yeah. End of story. Like, 
period. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So periodization is a good way for athletes to maximize their gains for peak performance, to minimize their risk for injury and to prevent training from getting boring. And if you're listening to this podcast and you lift weights, congratulations, you're an athlete. I know you might not feel like you're an athlete, but if you consistently go work out and you're training, you're You're an an athlete. athlete. If you're a fitness enthusiast, an amateur athlete, you could benefit from periodization. It doesn't matter where you are in your fitness plan. Periodization is going to be your friend. Yes. And periodization applies to anyone that's prepping for a competition um, or who wants to vary their workouts to constantly force your body to adapt, like we mentioned earlier in the episode. But you need to monitor your amount of intensity and your training to make sure that you're not overtraining. Yeah, overtraining sucks. You don't want to overtrain. Um, deload weeks. Deload, deload weeks. weeks. Yeah, dear God, please. Deload weeks. Uh, I feel like that's the most common question we get on social media. Am I training too much? Probably. If you're asking that question, you're probably overtraining. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair. If, if it you feel like, like you're overtraining, like yeah. you're probably overtraining. If Yeah, I mean, that's the question. It, am I the problem? Well, if you're asking if you're the problem, you're probably, probably the, the problem. problem. <laughs> yeah. Take a deload week. That yeah. doesn't mean that you're not still working. It just yeah. means that you're giving your body a chance to recover from the shit that you just put it through for the last four weeks. You've been pushing yourself really hard. It's fine to take a deload week. Every single athlete I follow on uh, Instagram specifically yeah. – Always post their deload weeks because that's how important they are. Everybody does. They're not sexy, but they're necessary. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't fucking hurt yourself. Like it overtraining doesn't need to happen ever. Um, but if you're wondering if you're overtraining, if your sleep is shitty, if your body feels shitty, if your training is shitty. Your movements have started lacking. Yeah. Are you eating enough? Yeah. Basically, if someone's like, oh, I feel like crap. Are you eating enough? Are you sleeping enough? And what's your training like? Are you training too much? And if you and during your deload week, I always take that as an opportunity to reassess like, okay, how's my eating been? How am I sleeping? Yeah. Am I have I been drinking enough water? It's kind of like a mental reset too. Yeah. In within your cycle. So it it helps you take stock of what you've been doing over the last three and a half, four weeks. You you take nothing else away from this episode. Take a fucking deload week. Please, please, please. <laughs> we, we love you. We thank you for listening. As always, like, rate, review the podcast. We're on YouTube. We're all over social media at Meathead Test Kitchen, except for Twitter. We're at MTK Staff. Follow us on TikTok for highlights of the episodes, outtakes of us being fucking stupid, and uh, generally just having fun. <laughs> I mean, I've built a career on just being fucking stupid at this point. It's amazing. What's Kesha say? Got here by running my mouth. <laughs> If Yo. you've got any questions, send us an email. Hello at meatheadtestkitchen.com. The show notes, as always, are at meatheadtestkitchen.com. Um, if you have any topics you want us to cover, yeah. go ahead and send us a message. Or you can DM us, whichever is easiest for you. Yeah. Um, we're no dick pics, please. Oh, God. Please. I mean, we have a lot. Like, our, our followers split Never. like 70, 30 women to men on social media. Yeah. So I don't really feel like we're going to have to go into dick pic territory yet. But no. I just like to put that in there. <laughs> we don't want your dick pics. Don't send them to no, us, please. No, actually, um, very rarely do females ever want those. Yeah. Just so you know. Unless it's the dick that they know. <laughs> if it's if it's my dick, I'm fine with a dick pic. But not actually my, you know what I mean. Her husband's. My husband's Her husband dick. has a penis. I don't have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered this. I'm glad I don't have a dick so I can't sit on my balls. But um, anyway, grab some merch. Shop.herdatmedia.com. We just got some t-shirts in the shop, some new tank tops. Uh, we got some new stickers. Yeah. 
They're the great. Check them out. Um, and then follow any other awesome Herd at Media podcast you see. Yeah. You know, anything the on the network, network is great. Um, until we come back next time and yell things at you. We didn't talk about poop this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> we will probably cover it on the next episode. Yeah. Until then, I love you. Me head test kitchen. Out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK. A Huda Media Production.